MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, January 16th, 2020. Today, Pelosi names impeachment managers and the House transmits the articles to the Senate. The 2020 Democratic debate, we'll have a recap of that. Avenatti is arrested. Flynn withdraws his guilty plea possible impeachment trial outcomes, and the Trump supporter who discussed the surveillance of Yovanovitch with Lev Parnas has a history of stalking and mental health issues. I'm your host, AG, and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Working tonight at the uh, good old comedy store? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Avenatti, huh? Yeah. (laughs) That was our first guest that went to jail. Yes. Yeah. We can now say we have a former guest in jail. Yeah. Doesn't feel good. (laughs) <laughs> he was mean anyway yeah and just a fucking douche yeah. we've been saying that yeah. he's a total douchebag yeah uh, <laughs> so he's back in jail and I'll, I'll tell you why it's pretty interesting um and we do have a lot of news uh today uh thank you i got all your well wishes i'm feeling much better today uh, my voice is still a little fro- uh gro- froggy groggy what are you i don't know froggy uh kermity but <laughs> I'm getting better. So thank you for, and you know, for all the other stuff I'm going through too, everyone was sent some really nice messages uh, to me as well. So thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Uh, So, hey, we do have a lot of news. Might as well jump in, hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So today, like I said, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, signed the articles of impeachment and then sent them over to the Senate. McConnell, they almost did the ring bearer walk. The person in front was carrying them like <laughs> like it might, might as well have been on a ring pillow. Um, McConnell accepted the message. Uh, I guess there's like some procedure. They have to send a message and then accept the message and then the House has to send them over. I think they'll, they'll receive them officially tomorrow. They did walk them over to the door today, uh, handed them over. Um, and McConnell spoke on the floor and did some procedural procedural stuff, and then he said the trial will start in earnest on Tuesday, January 21st. What does earnest mean exactly? Fully. Just like, officially? In, okay. In earnest meaning... Not like in good faith. I think... <laughs> no, I think it just means the procedural stuff will be over, and then we're going right. to get into the meat of it. Right. Uh, day after my birthday. Woo-hoo. Best birthday present ever for me. Uh, and before the articles were signed and delivered, Pelosi appointed seven impeachment managers. All are litigators, except Val Demings, who was the chief of police. And I think this is indicative of Pelosi's belief that witnesses will be called. That was her whole thing. She was withholding the articles, saying she wants to see what kind of trial it would be. And then that would kind of speak to what sort of managers that uh, she would appoint. Um, so I, that's what I think. And I, I, she seems very sure of it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to believe her. She's been right so far. Um, they are led by Schiff yes, and include Nadler, Val Demings, Crow, newbie, uh, Garcia, Lofgren, and Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries. During the impeachment of Clinton, the Republicans sent 13 white dudes over, uh, <laughs> but, but this delegation looks a little more American, mm-hmm. so very, a little more like America. I'm happy about this. Schiff is a perfect person to lead that <sighs> group. Yeah, I mean, he's litigated a, a couple of impeachments, I think. Oh, God, he's so solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got courtroom experience, trial experience. Um, he's a lot better than Nadler, too. Yeah, yeah. Know? I mean, Nadler's great, but I think he's 
ask more pointed questions and does follow ups. Yeah. And, you know, sort of gets to the meat of it, does more of a push and pull than a talk at you for a minute mm-hmm. type of a situation. Mm-hmm. Now, the senders aren't going to be able to stand up and ask questions and grandstand. They have to do all their questions via writing through the chief justice. Uh, each side will have 24 hours to present their case. And um, it would be after that that they would vote to decide if they were going to see witnesses or not. And stuff just keeps coming out that makes it's making it harder and harder for McConnell to not, you know, or for for the Senate, because it's really the while Roberts sort of oversees it, um, it's the senators who make the decisions. Mm-hmm. They really make the votes. And Roberts has indicated that he's not going to be an overrule kind of guy. He's going to be like, y'all do your thing. I'm here to preside. I, I'm interested to see if he wears a fancy robe, mm-hmm. like with stripes, mm-hmm. like Rehnquist did. Or a wig. <laughs> a powdered wig. Hello, here you, here you. I live on the trial. Yeah, that'd be funny. Um, and Terry Canfield tweeted out one of her amazing threads today about possible impeachment trial outcomes. And we 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 kind of know these, but she sort of explains some of the differences. One possible outcome is that enough Republican senators vote and Trump is removed from office. Lol. Uh, she notes that if that happens, it would be the first time in American history a president is removed that way. Um. She points out that while most of us are like, why wouldn't they just do that? They could get Pence and why, why that would just be fine. But Republicans know if they remove him, if they remove Trump, Trump supporters would turn on the GOP and it would splinter the party. Um, so next, something else that could happen here is the Republican senators, some of them could vote to remove, but not enough to actually remove him mm-hmm. or get him out of office. Again, just like removal, this would turn Trump supporters against those senators. Next, no Republicans vote to convict. That would be the next thing. The, everything's along party lines. Terry says this is the best chance if the Republican Party wants to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that eventually we will get Trump's financials and taxes. And anyone who votes to acquit the president now would risk losing those voters in November. And there might be more of those than there are of Trump supporters. Um, and then finally, the Senate could vote to censure instead of remove. But censure is a finding of guilt, and it would be tough to support him for re-election if you censor if you censure him. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, it wouldn't stop them from doing that. But I still don't understand what that means. It's just like we don't like you officially. Okay, like a resolution <laughs> of hate. Yeah, nice <laughs> or not hate, just like. <laughs> You suck. Yeah. You officially suck. You suck, but we're not going to do anything about it, really. <laughs> we're just going to say so on the record. Right. So, like, <laughs> social media, basically. <laughs> just talking shit with no consequence whatsoever. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that's another option that they have. You know, a lot, I mean, a lot of uh, Republicans had said before this started, you should just censor him. Why didn't you just cen- censor? Censure him. You just mm-hmm. censure him. Also censor. Yeah, you can't censor him. Um, <laughs> I wish. It's just impossible. Yeah, that would just be a big old duct tape. And so here's another uh, piece of news. Interesting story out from The Intercept about Robert Hyde. Now, he is the guy who was texting back and forth with Parnas about surveilling Yovanovitch, saying, apparently, you can do anything in Ukraine with money, which sounds an awful lot like a mob hit to me. Uh, And I can't get it out of my head because, you know, Trump said she's going to go through some things. And then, you know, if you remember, Yovanovitch got that call. She testified she got a call at one in the morning um, saying her security was at risk and she needed to be on the next flight home from Ukraine. Uh, Anyhow, this Intercept story says Hyde is apparently a known stalker with mental health issues. Jesus. The Intercept obtained police records showing he violated a restraining order issued by a D.C. Superior Court judge at the request of a Republican consultant who said he stalked her and intimidated her family. 
His firearms were confiscated because of that uh, restraining order. When asked for comment <laughs> about this, Hyde texted the intercept, Bullshit is still crying, LOL. Tell him to go whistle blow himself. You know, I have to give him props for yeah. those puns. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit can whistle blow himself. Yeah. There's a lot to pack into one thing. There though. is, yeah. I'm a fan of his writing. <laughs> Did you see that video of him shooting a gun at some target that had a Hillary mask on it? No. Forensic News posted it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Or one of the writers on Forensic News. That's gross. Yeah. Eric Levi, I believe is his last name. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Levi and um, Denault and Stedman run that joint. It's pretty totally. cool. It is very cool. But yeah, he posted the video. He was like, look what I found. Yeah. You should definitely support them on, on Patreon. Mm -hmm. They're doing a lot of really good independent invest in investigative journalism. Yes, they are. So Hyde also has apparently a history of erratic behavior. He was placed in a mental institution last May following an incident at Trump's Doral Golf Course where he says gardeners and painters were plotting to kill him. Uh, he then made a Facebook post insinuating Dan Coates initiated his disappearance, Hyde's disappearance, because he like went off the radar for two months. Uh, he was also evicted from a commercial property. He was arrested once for reckless endangerment. Uh, he owes a pretty substantial back child support bill, despite mm. having donated thousands to Trump. Of course. S super great guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and check this yeah. out, though. Uh, this, you know the Watchdog Group American Oversight? Uh -huh. They did a lineup of the newly released Parnas messages with Hyde uh, with records they obtained from the State Department from their FOIA request, their FOIA lawsuit. And then they threaded it out on Twitter. And many of these messages between Hyde and Parnas tracking Yovanovitch occurred in March 2019, which happens to align with communications between Giuliani and Pompeo, the State Department. Mm-hmm. So on March 24th, Don Jr. tweeted about Yovanovitch at 12.12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And about 20 minutes later, Parnas sent Hyde the same article Don Jr. tweeted out, the headline being Calls Grow to Remove Obama U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine. On March 25th, Parnas posted on Instagram uh, from the Trump Hotel in D.C. where he has, you know, pictured with Giuliani having a dinner celebrating Barr's Mueller report, quote unquote, summary. Uh, and at the same time, Hyde is messaging Parnas just after 2 a.m. Ukraine time, uh, saying he has the ambassador under surveillance. Quote, she's talked to three people. Her phone is off. Her computer is off. And then a little over 12 hours later, on March 26th, call logs show Giuliani spoke with Pompeo. Also that day, John Solomon, he's the, the Hill reporter who published all of the bullshit from Fertosh, all the, the, you know, the Biden conspiracy theories and Soros conspiracy theories. Solomon emailed Parnas, Tonzig, and Nigenova, an article advancing a Soros-related conspiracy theory about the 2016 election. And later that evening, Rudy appeared on Fox. And just after midnight Ukraine time, Hyde told Parnas, if you want her out, they need to make contact with security forces from Ukrainians. Um, the subsequent exchange then indicates Parnas was with Giuliani during the Fox broadcast because Hyde asked him how it went. And he said, Giuliani was good, but Ingram had some hard questions. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Ingram's tough journalism. She's on the Nazi salute, right? Yeah. yeah. Nice. And then on March 27th at 11.30 in the morning, Eastern Time, Rudy's assistant called Trump's Oval Office secretary, uh, that's Westerhout, asking for help to get in touch with Pompeo. And later that night, Hyde messaged Parnas about Yovanovitch again, saying nothing has changed. She's still not moving. It's confirmed we have a person inside. Then the next morning, Giuliani called the State Department to set up a call with Pompeo. The call was scheduled for the next day. That's also the day Rudy delivered his calligraphy envelope full of Trump hotel folders containing dirt on Yovanovitch, which included the email Solomon had sent to Parnas two days earlier. 
And then on March 29th at 3 in the morning, Ukraine time, Hyde messaged Parnas. She had visitors. It's confirmed we have a person inside. Then 12 hours after that, the State Department call logs show Rudy spoke to Pompeo for several minutes. Couple all that with the CNBC reporting that Nunez's staff were in contact with Parnas and Ukrainian officials in late March. And Pompeo's call schedule shows a call with Nunes, scheduled for April 1st, listed on the call log immediately after the March 29th call with Rudy. So he's in on He knows all this. Yeah. And so Tuesday night, Yovanovitch called for an investigation into the disturbing notion she was under surveillance while in Ukraine. Lawrence Robbins, Yovanovitch's attorney, says, quote, needless to say, the notion that American citizens and others were monitoring Ambassador Yovanovitch's movements for unknown purposes is disturbing. We trust that appropriate authorities will conduct an investigation and determine what happened. So the Southern District of New York and the State Department have declined to comment. Hmm. I wonder what that investigation can really produce exactly. Well, I mean, I guess you just start with those text messages and go from there. Right. Because I'm just thinking, is it illegal, technically? If it was what a hit, they did? If they were trying to kill her, then yeah. Yeah. Like if it were a hit. Yeah. Because he, he does say, like, if you want her out, we have to go through Ukrainian security. Um, and we have yeah. a person on the inside. But yeah, that... there's no other evidence of that. Right. Yeah, but I guess he does it, is say hard... it looks like you can do anything in Ukraine if you have the money. Mm-hmm. What else would you be paying someone to do? Yeah, I guess Just I was thinking her? maybe like an arrest or something, some kind of fabricated arrest situation. I don't know. They do that. That's how they try to overthrow things. What it do you seems mean? in general, people do that, you know, all what? around. Like you make up some bullshit reason to detain someone. Oh, yeah. And do like a smear campaign against them. Like the whole Tymoshenko. Yeah. Yeah, imprisonment exactly. By Manafort. Exactly. But doing that to a U.S. ambassador would be fucking crazy. But I, it, what's even crazier is to suggest actually assassinating them. Right. So I guess I'm a bit in disbelief that that's what was happening. But yeah, totally investigate that shit. Because if that was even on the table, if that was their kill Soleimani option of their list of <laughs> things to do... That needs to be known because that's not okay. Oh, my God. So and yeah, and there are I mean, it's not a out there wackadoo theory either. There's legit people, uh, Kirshner and stuff on Twitter talking about it. Yeah, totally. Right. Well, it is hard to interpret that in any like. What would you need? Looks like you can do anything in Ukraine. I mean, like it. Why? Why would you say that if you were just surveilling her? Because I mean, you can do that here Mm -hmm. for money. That's not a weird thing. That's not a hard thing to have to do. That's not something that only happens in other countries. Yeah. Or maybe they were going to employ the security forces to surveil her further. Maybe, hopefully not for the purpose of killing her, but just for some other reason. I don't know. I'm hoping that. I'm really hoping that assassination was not on the table. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, but just to say it's crazy what you can do in Ukraine if you've got the money. Yeah. Like, getting somebody to surveil her, I don't think is too crazy. Right. I don't know. I bet I don't know. You know, I really honestly have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but I think an investigation would would uh, is warranted in this. And she, you know, they whisked her out of there at one in the morning mm-hmm. and said her it was a security issue. And like, is that just surveillance? Is it all just surveillance? Because, I mean, surveilling a U.S. ambassador is pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. Ugh. It is. I you wonder know. if that's punishable under any sort of laws that we have. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know because she is a U.S. citizen uh, and that's not authorized by the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to bitch about a FISA warrant, you right. know, <laughs> obtained, signed off by Rod Rosenstein, but this kind of, this is okay. Yeah. It's a little odd. It is. Any, Anyway. Yikes. 
Uh, we <laughs> we have so much news. We'll be right back. We have some Flynn beans coming true, an ethics waiver for Benchkowski. Remember that douchebag? Mm-hmm. And the entire Russian government has walked out of their jobs. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by the good people at Native. For the longest time, I was trying to find a deodorant that's aluminum-free while still effective. Many conventional deodorants contain aluminum, and that can plug up your sweat glands, keeps you from sweating. It's very dangerous. Could be linked to serious health issues. And that's why I'm excited to share that Native's deodorant is made without aluminum. It's got also no parabens and no talc. Instead, it's formulated with safe natural ingredients like coconut oil and shea butter. It's also vegan, never tested on animals. Uh, Making the switch to aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on performance. Native keeps you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. It's worked for me, uh, and I have like a daily 16-hour days, and then I have this crazy workout routine, um, run like a 5K every day pretty much, and it never stops working. And they now have 10 amazing scents, including their classics, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, eucalyptus and mint, and coconut and vanilla. They have rotating seasonal scents as well as an unscented option, and a baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. You're guaranteed to find one you love. They come in a variety of options for men, women, and even teens, and there's no risk to try. Native has free shipping on every order and offers a 30-day free return or exchange in the USA, no questions asked. So check out the 9,000 five-star reviews from happy customers who made the switch to Native. Personally, I like that it's a solid that goes on easily, and it's aluminum-free, so it doesn't stain my clothes. So for 20% off, 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase. Go to nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. You'll be glad you did. All right, so we just got this news. Lev Parnas and his lawyer are set to appear on Matto just after we finish recording this episode. I'm going to watch the shit out of that. Uh, I have no idea why Parnas' lawyer is cool with letting him being interviewed, be interviewed on national television. I'm getting such Avenatti vibes from that guy. Oh, yeah, he's a weirdo. It's he's so a annoying. creep. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to figure out his credibility. Right. You know? um, but, I mean, if you got documentary evidence and text to back your shit up, that's what matters. Yeah, but it would be nice to just have someone that's well-respected all around and doesn't look like they're kind of trying to just get their client in the spotlight. That helped Trump crime, though? Right, right. You're not going to find that. Yeah, I guess. I just am so skeptical of attorneys, you know, in general. Like the hashtag let left speak and stuff. Like, are you really doing that because you want to get Trump out of office? If you are, that's cool with me. If you are. Right, or is or it protecting because, himself? Yes, or is it because you have personal gains to get from that? In which case, write a book, book deal. Yes, and if it diminishes the credibility of Parnas's information against the president, that's when it becomes frustrating. But even like Bolton, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I guess that's a way less skeevy dude, but he's still skeev. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just hard to find somebody that you want to hear from. It is. <laughs> It is, and will advocate that people hear from you. Yes. That's really the only thing I'm complaining about is his style. Yeah. If it was like a more, I know, like less annoying guy, I guess, then I'd be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. But still, that his lawyers letting him go on TV. That's just nuts. But I'm popping the popcorn. I got a little bit of a sneak (laughs) peek of that interview. Uh, Rachel asks him what the main lie is that has been bothering him about this whole thing. And he says that people say Trump didn't know what was going on. Trump knew. Trump knew everything. He knew everything. He was aware of everything. He was aware of my movements. Uh, And uh, Maddo then quotes Trump to him saying, yeah, but he said, I don't know him. I don't know what they do. I don't know the guy. And Parnas said he lied. So believe that. Yeah, we're going to see that whole interview later on tonight. You're probably hearing this after you already watched it. 
Um, but the White House has not responded so far. They're still going through all the messages that came out last night. Those have to be translated, so that can take some time. Uh, and this is all as they're trying to cobble together their defense for the Senate impeachment trial. According to sources, Trump has some surprise hotshot lawyer in his pocket. I don't know who that is. Hmm. I'm trying to... Is it Johnny Cochran? No. Wait. <laughs> Did he pass away? I don't know. Fuck if I know. I think he might have. <laughs> that would be mean of me to say that at that point. Like, let's see. Yeah. Yes, he died. Okay. Um, Rest in peace. I wonder who. I wonder who it is. Giuliani. Dershowitz. <laughs> oh God. This Davis? is for Trump. This is Trump saying he has a, a little lawyer in his pocket. Trump sources are close to. He's got. He's got a surprise lawyer besides Seculo and uh, Cipollone. Mm-hmm. He's got somebody. God, Dershowitz. God, what if it was DeGeneva? Mm. Or Tonzing. Those don't seem mm-hmm. like hotshot lawyers to me. Yeah, his version of hotshot could be very different from ours. It just probably has to be somebody who looks good on TV. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what this is. Yeah. Reality show sham trial. Or maybe it's like Ivanka. She's been going to law school this whole time. We didn't know. <laughs> oh, what if it's, uh, who's the, what if it's the Kardashian? Oh, <laughs> yes. I doubt she's done with law school. <laughs> Kim? Yeah. Yeah. Well, wasn't she going to like ho- homeschool law school or <laughs> Homes- something? Homeschool law school. <laughs> uh I don't That's mean funny. to like downplay her. Trying Still cost two hundred thousand dollars. Trying to better her life, you go, girl. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. Okay. Or Kanye. That's how it really would go. She does the work. Kanye somehow still becomes a lawyer. <laughs> Takes the mic away. Yeah. I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> I'm gonna let you but finish first. law school, but first I object. <laughs> um, okay, and here's the Avenatti story: arrested for violating the terms of his pretrial agreement, and federal prosecutors are alleging Avenatti kept criming while out on bail, including the crimes of wire fraud, mail fraud, and structuring. I learn about a new crime every week mm-hmm. with this administration. Um, I know Avenatti's not in the administration, but he's right. tied into this whole thing. Yes, uh, Structuring is the act of breaking up financial transactions to get around the federal reporting requirements that kick in for transactions over a specific amount of money. Hmm. That's called structuring. How the hell are they going to put him in jail, but they couldn't put Stone in jail? Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. I know. Ugh. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, beans come true. Well, Stone doesn't get sentenced till February. They might put him in jail. Yeah? I don't know. Yeah. I think so. I think he'll go to jail for something. Well, no, something. I mean I mean, while he's waiting for trial. Oh, oh, like with the crosshairs right, on, when he, with the judge and all yeah. that? Uh, all the times he violated his um, Yes, and every time we were like, they're going to put him in jail, they're going to put him in jail. They never did. They didn't. It was mm-hmm. like three times he violated his fucking gag order. Mm-hmm. He just would not shut up. Yep. I, and I think I just feel like Judge Jackson was like, I kind of knew you wouldn't. So just again, don't do it anymore. Yeah, maybe um, that. Yeah, that he was not remanded, but but <laughs> Avenatti definitely was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, if you think about it, this is the Department of Justice. It's run by Bill Barr, who's got Trump in his ear. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, true. You know, if you you committed the crime, that sucks. I, mean, I, I I'm assuming he's being targeted. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think he's guilty? Have an Audi? Yeah, I think so. I, I think mean, so too. From what I've seen. Same. I'm not saying he's not guilty, but he certainly can be targeted. Right. You can certainly point resources into investigating him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Beans come true. Flynn said he was, we, well, back in, what was it, June? When he switched I was, lawyers. I was like, holy shit, is he about to withdraw his guilty plea? If about to means six months from now, <laughs> the answer is yes. We put Beans on it back then. He has done just that. He has asked Judge Sullivan. Uh, to allow him to withdraw his guilty plea Tuesday night in a court filing saying prosecutors acted out of a sense of bad faith, vindictiveness, and breach of the plea agreement. Now, 
So first he was blaming the FBI for him lying to the FBI. Now he's <laughs> now he's blaming. You guys made me lie. Now he's blaming the prosecutors for breaching the plea agreement mm-hmm. when he was the one who whatever. Uh, and now he's withdrawing his guilty plea. So it's clearly the prosecutors that are making him do that too. Isn't that the first lesson they teach you in Boy Scouts? Any finger pointing? There's three pointing back at you. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I feel like every solid American boy gets taught that little thing. Yeah. And it seems like Flynn has like so 19 easily fingers. easily forgotten. <laughs> yeah. 19 fingered Flynn. Yeah. That sounds Gross. weird. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> uh, so Sullivan has to approve this request. But I think Flynn's going for the pardon. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Totally. It would be really, really interesting if Trump decided to pardon Flynn, right? When he's tried to, like, in the middle of an impeachment trial. I mean, his old double-down strategy continues to work for him with his it base. It does. And and justice takes a long time to catch up, and he knows that. Mm-hmm. He knows, he's fully aware of that, that the arc of justice is long. Yeah. Well, the universe. Yeah, like, justice. how long have we been talking about all this AMI shit even for so long, or, like, the Trump inaugural stuff? Over a and year. just They now. violated their non-prosecution agreement last September, uh, which is... What, six months ago? Five mm-hmm. months ago? Yeah. Um, it, it's takes forever and the the inaugural we're now just getting you know in that broad uh, subpoena of the inaugural back in february a year ago is when we found out about we knew who learned who zubar zuberry was and he was just indicted it's been a year yep so takes forever it does that it does uh and brian benchkowski douche lord <laughs> former kirkland and ellis lawyer sounds like a costco lawyer yes it does kirkland <laughs> Kirk- I'm sure they have a branch. Kirkland lawyer. I'm just going to call him a former Kirkland lawyer. Uh, oh, God. He repped Alpha Bank. Costco Services. <laughs> I can see that. If that doesn't already exist, I'm sure they're working on it. Just denial of a bunch of men in suits and glass containers. Just sitting there they with their briefcases. <laughs> and like one of those security tags on them. So they, if you roll them out without having it take off, it mm. beeps. They pay us some pizza. <laughs> Free samples all day. <laughs> Free samples. Free samples of an attorney at Costco. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try that one. (laughs) Well, he has just been approved for a Department of Justice secret ethics waiver to participate in an unspecified matter involving a former employer that's unnamed. I'm only assuming it's Kirkland Ellis, but the waiver references a sealed memo that we haven't seen that hasn't been put out to the public. It's under seal. I the it, my beans it's Kirkland and Ellis because mm-hmm. they repped Alpha Bank but I don't know what and also I don't know what the matter is that he's gonna that he's been allowed to have a waiver to be to oversee mm-hmm. I don't know what that is either hmm. what's the name of that waiver again just an ethics waiver ethics waiver mm-hmm. that just sounds like an oxymoron why are you allowed <laughs> to waive ethics <laughs> makes no sense yeah that's kind of <laughs> the definition of ethics isn't it some fundamental truth of morality did you just shit on my front porch well i have a scruples waiver (laughs) i have a no shit in public waiver right here (laughs) that allows me to be a dick oh god an ethics waiver (laughs) i know that's just so funny it's bad as a concept i know that that, uh, Mm -hmm. mm. (laughs) recusal waiver call it that yeah Call it a recusal waiver. Right. Don't Something bring that, don't bring ethics into it. If, you, if you're yeah, literally. <laughs> if you're not going to bring ethics into it, yeah. don't bring ethics into it. <laughs> don't drag that fine word into this mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, this is crazy. The entire Russian government has walked out. According to the Russian Constitution, Putin's presidency ends in 2024. He cannot run again. 
So uh, what he has done is he's now moving controlling power of the government from the president to the parliament, the security assembly, presumably so that when he can't be president anymore, he'll head up the state council, which he just gave all the power to and mm. run Russia from there. God damn, so corrupt. Mm -hmm. Medvedev, uh. the Russian prime minister, has stepped down. He has resigned to make room for this and the uh, to this plan, and the entire government has to follow him out. They have that. Yeah, they have to resign too. To accommodate this power switch. That's so sad. And they did this in 2008, too, but they did it in a different way because he couldn't make that third run per their constitution, third consecutive run per the constitution. Mm -hmm. So he became the prime minister right. and Medvedev became president. And then they switched back in the old switcheroo right. um, to get around it. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you there's been phone calls and meetings between Putin and Trump about how can Trump do this. 100% mm. guarantee you. That Putin is uh, mentoring him on how to stay president. Mm -hmm. So scary. A poor country. I know. I don't know. I know like pitying an entire people is maybe not the best thing to do, but I do pity them. That fucking sucks. More like a solidarity. Like, yes. I feel you guys. It yes. sucks. Yeah. Or y'all. Right. Yeah. That's just terrifying. That's so terrifying as a prospect that your leader can just fire everybody essentially. Change the constitution, change how your entire country is governed, and maintain power. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Just, oh, I'm going to switch power over to the, and then I'm going to be in charge of the. Yeah. All under the guise of like, he's such a weird brand of nationalism too. Because he's not like a straight up dictator vibe. He's just like a, like, I am your father and you will love me because I know what's best. More of a dear leader thing. Yes. And uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I know y'all want me to still be president, mm -hmm. but I can't. So I have this new solution. Nice. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, nice. Not everyone. I mean, obviously, right. there's there's protesters to this. But yeah, just wow. to have the whole government. Well, it would be like if Congress like just got up and walked out. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's really scary and crazy. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. Jordan, you have highlights from last night's debate on the other side of this break. So stay with us. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this portion of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Zola, the place for all things weddings. Zola makes wedding planning a breeze with wedding websites, registry, invites, and a guest list manager all in one place. I'd wish I had Zola when I got married because we had to use five different vendors. I almost pulled my hair out because of the stress. Uh, anyway, with Zola, they take the anxiety out of the wedding planning, which makes it just such a better experience. It's got to be so much more pleasant. Um, they have free wedding website designs. It's easy to create your site in minutes. They have hundreds of beautiful designs to choose from. You can customize it with your own photos and great features like an RSVP page, custom URL, and frequently asked questions page. With the highest rated registry of all time, you can register for gifts, experiences, and honeymoon funds. You can add gifts from other stores or sync existing registries and get free shipping and returns, free easy exchanges, which you will need, uh, price matching and group gifting as well. Shop your whole paper suite at Zola, from beautiful affordable invites to save the dates and thank you cards, all designed to match your wedding website theme. Zola will help you collect addresses and track online RSVPs with their free guest list manager, which is amazing, and they'll even address your envelopes for free. Zola's helped over 1 million couples get married and they'll help you too, so go to zola.com slash dailybeans today and use promo code SAVE50 to get 50% off your save the dates. You can also get a free personalized paper sample before you purchase. That's 50% off save the dates at zola.com slash dailybeans, promo code SAVE50. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. So we watched the debate last night together after the show. After we recorded, we just went out, chilled, yeah. had a glass of wine, watched the debates. Mm -hmm. um, Very calm debate, I thought. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was the final Democratic debate before the Democratic caucuses and uh, in Iowa. And there was a little bit of drama, uh, but also a lot of really good points made, I think, and a lot of moments of unity, too. 
So I'm just going to go over some of those highlights. Candidates who made it onto the debate stage were Klobuchar, Biden, Warren, Bernie, Buttigieg, and Steyer, uh, Booker and Kamala. And I mean, I could list off the whole, you know, gamut of people that are no longer there, but uh, they weren't on there. Um, Bloomberg yet to be on a debate stage since he announced his run. Yeah. Patrick Duvall can't qualify mm-hmm. yet um, and hasn't. Yang wasn't there. Yang didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yang vows he Castro will be on the next one. dropped out. Yes. Um, yeah. So there was definitely a lot of really critical voices missing on that stage, which was a bummer. Um, a very big bummer. Uh, but there were pretty typical questions asked on, you know, domestic policy. But there was a lot more talk on foreign policy this time around. And I think that was much appreciated, especially given what's been happening with the escalating tensions between the U.S. and Iran and how Trump is handling it like a fucking madman. Uh, He's just unglued. Yeah. Uh, There weren't any really crazy answers to a lot of these questions that greatly differ from what the candidates have been saying kind of all throughout their campaign. Uh, There was a much more nuanced discussion of foreign policy, like I said. For example, uh, Warren made the point that the endless wars in the Middle East have to stop, and Biden responded by making the distinction between combat troops and troops that are uh, overseas more in peacekeeping missions. Um, Klobuchar had a very nuanced answer on what her military strategy would be, saying she would leave certain troops in certain areas and remove troops in other areas. I thought she had a really good, solid answer. I was impressed with pretty much every candidate's answer, actually. Steyer even did a pretty good job answering, even though he doesn't really have like any experience with that stuff. His answer was, I'm a businessman and I've done a lot of deals that, you know, are sort of impacted by the sort of international politics of these things. But I think in general, I was pleased with the level of seriousness all of the candidates answered these questions with. They were all really prepared for this. If they weren't prepared for this, that just would have been really dumb on their part. Obviously, this was going to be a huge part of the debate. I think pretty much all of them displayed a capacity to make the right calls militarily. Um, And they all expressed an interest in maintaining congressional oversight when it comes to military actions, which was a really important point for them all to come together and make oversight that they all agreed Trump has completely shit all over. Yep. Uh, Bernie did, however, give Biden crap for his vote to authorize military force in Iraq in 2002. We should not send anyone anywhere unless the overwhelming vital interests of the United States are at stake. But what I understood from right away in terms of the war in Iraq, the difference here is that the war in Iraq turned out to be the worst foreign policy blunder in the modern history of this country. It's going to take a view to the future as well as the readiness to learn from the lessons of the past. And for me, those lessons of the past are personal. And Biden did wind up acknowledging that that vote was a mistake, actually. So that was nice to see. There was a lot of moments like that, I think, where people would say stuff and uh, candidates... They weren't incredibly defensive this time around. It seemed like around. they all had a meeting and said, let's be chill yes. right before Iowa caucus to each other. Let's mm-hmm. kind of chill. I mean, you know, we'll argue about our little points that are important, not little points, our right. points that are important, <laughs> uh, but not like attack. Yeah, totally. It didn't seem like they were... Because generally they go after Buttigieg pretty hard mm-hmm. um, for his track record mm-hmm. uh, with the sheriff and... Indiana and stuff like that, stuff like that in South Bend. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a relatively mild. Yeah. Like you said, there were a little. "Mm." Yeah. The height of the drama definitely came with a really anticipated exchange between Bernie and Warren. This is, of course, surrounding the allegations that Bernie told Warren a woman couldn't win the presidency. Uh, Here's that clip for you. Anybody knows me knows that it's incomprehensible that I would think that a woman 
could not be president of the United States. What did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? I disagreed. Bernie is my friend, and I am not here to try to fight with Bernie. But look, this question about whether or not a woman can be president has been raised, and it's time for us to attack it head on. Can a woman beat Donald Trump? Look at the men on this stage. Collectively, they have lost 10 elections. The only people on this stage who have won every single election that they've been in are the women, Amy and me. So Warren's punchline, basically, uh, you know, her comment on how her and Klobuchar have won pretty much every election that they've ever entered into, I think is it was great and very necessary because regardless of whether or not Bernie said what she said, he said, it is something that's on the minds of American voters that there's a chance that women, you know, this idea that women don't win elections. And yeah. these two women are incredibly successful at they winning all. elections. They won all. They won all their elections. <laughs> yes, they did. But I do have to say... It was kind of a nice way to divert away from this. Like, it was. Look, it was. The I, men up here have lost 10 elections combined. We, uh, the only people who have not lost any are the women. I thought that was a good way to... I thought so, too. I thought so, too. But I do have to say that I think that moment, the way that CNN handled it also, just really sucked. When they asked Bernie, did you say this? And Bernie said no. And then they didn't ask any follow-up question other than, okay, so you're saying you didn't say this. He says, correct. And the next word out of their mouth is to Warren... How did it make you feel when Bernie said that? It's yeah. like that is no, that is such a drama staging way to handle something. It's that one of the reasons I don't like CNN. Yes, with the the way that they handle these debates. Yes, and it's like this is we're not here for your ratings at this point. We're at a point where the Democratic Party is now predictably starting to rip each other apart on Twitter, online, in person over this one issue alone right now. So for them to handle it that way. I thought was really irresponsible and kind of inexcusable. And I'm really sick of CNN moderating debates, actually. MSNBC does a way better job. PBS, like, just get Univision did great. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so CNN can, like, fuck off as far as I'm concerned (laughs) with with their super, like, drama-intensive way of questioning people. But it is true what Warren said, that women can absolutely win. Um, especially especially those women. But yeah, all of that stuff just really sucked. But you know what also really did suck too was at the end of the debate, Bernie went to go shake Warren's hand and she clearly rejected that handshake. Yeah, I did see that. And there were some words and she approached him. Mm-hmm. And she, she walked up to him, yeah. he extended his hand and she pulled her hand back. Yeah, I did see that. And it was, and they talked... Um, I, I has anyone been able to figure out what they said, or has anyone? No, asked Tom Steyer was like, right? <laughs> did you see the video? Tom Steyer <laughs> comes up awkwardly in the middle of them, and you can see his hand like sliding up his thigh, trying to go for like a handshake. handshake. <laughs> but he's looking at both of them, and they're clearly saying like catty shit to each other, and he just kind of like steps and walks away. <laughs> and they asked him after they were like, "Did you get a like a earshot of what they were saying?" And he's like, "I have no idea what they were. No, I don't know." Oh right, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna stand out of it. Nope, nope. Yeah. yeah. Don't ask me. I I don't know. (laughs) So that whole thing I think was shitty. And I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but that is pretty unpresidential. If you're going to refuse a handshake over something like that on a debate amongst your peers, that's kind of like 
that's kind of a ding for me outside of the fact i fucking love warren Mm -hmm. warren and bernie are the two most progressive candidates on that stage obviously i love both of them but that little thing i mean both of the the, that whole display was just shitty all around i'm not even going to put blame on like one person necessarily but warren rejecting that handshake i think was really petty and looked really bad especially for americans who don't know what the details are yeah and you have to keep that in mind yeah, you, yeah, you're right. You have to uh, run under the operator, you know, under the assumption that nobody knows what you're, you know, what you're talking about when when you do that. Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess we'll see how and much she hasn't that said anything continues. about it either. Exactly, she, she hasn't been like, oh, I didn't even see, I, I you know, or, or she hasn't. Oh, I wasn't going to shake his hand. Like she hasn't, right? Said either way. No. Yeah, it's just a shame. That whole it, thing was it just a shame. It looked bad. It was bad optics. Yes, it was. Uh, then on impeachment, everyone was pretty much, you know, we're splitting hairs. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. We're splitting, yeah, and we're ignorant, like you said. We don't know exactly what's going on. But yeah, they need to keep that in mind. No one does, except for them. And apparently they don't either, because they had two completely different answers on live television. Well, Robbie O'Shaughnessy put out a great mm-hmm. tweet that they could both be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something was said within a certain context, and one of them had a certain understanding of it, and another one had a different understanding. And they're both right, and the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So that was that. Yeah. Moving on to the topic of impeachment, everyone was pretty much on the same page. That'd be kind of weird if they weren't. <laughs> if Gabbard was there, it probably would have been a different story. Yeah. But uh, present, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, as Klobuchar and Warren, the present was her not being there. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll show myself out. <laughs> God, uh, Gabbard. Um, but as uh, Klobuchar and Warren said about the impeachment, this is a decency check on our government. This is a patriotism check. It is about Donald Trump putting Donald Trump first. So I just like what Klobuchar was saying about it being a decency check. It's just a super simple way to put it, and that's 100% the truth. Yep. There's a decency check in so many ways. It's a good answer. On on our presidency, on executive power, on the Department of Justice, just this vote means so much, all in the name of decency. And yeah, they all pretty much are in agreement that everything that's happening right now is, you know, Obviously, all the Democrats are going to be on the same page, unless you're Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> uh, Warren and Buttigieg had a clash over health care, with Warren defending her Medicare for All proposal and Buttigieg defending his Medicare for All Who Want It proposal. Basically, both of them were accusing the other of not being able to financially get their plan done effectively. Uh, and Buttigieg also said that accusations that his plan doesn't propose a big enough change is short-sighted and that a plan doesn't have to alienate a large group of the population in order to be considered profound or consequential. Saying my plan isn't big enough isn't big and big enough. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Warren was basically saying you're not going far enough with your plan. This is going to, you know, not really make that big of a difference. Buttigieg is saying... Just because my plan doesn't cost as much money and isn't so drastic, that doesn't mean that it's not as big of an idea. Yeah, he's like, this is what they do in Canada and England. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was like, not big enough. Yeah, and Buttigieg, of course, was like, your plan's expensive as fuck, and there's no way that you're going to be able to get that done with the amount of money you said you can. But we'll see. I just hope that we get to a point in our society where we get to even flesh that out and see what it actually costs because... Well, that's just it. It's not like whoever wins the Democratic nomination and whoever becomes president can walk in in the first week and make health care. Right. There's a debate. They have to go with what the American people want. They have to consider what Congress wants. They have to add amendments. They have to debate amendments. Mm -hmm. They have to deal with the lobby and pharmaceutical companies and the health insurance uh, companies. It's not like... Well, your plan is 
ridiculously expensive like she's just going to go in and drop 10 trillion and be able to have it done right that's not how it goes that's not how our government works and i wish somebody would say that like Mm -hmm. but you know then again you you would be yelled at for not thinking big enough or something or or thinking too small or thinking too big or i mean whatever they would come up with that you know just to just to oppose whatever it is that you were saying but i mean it's a conversation yeah. that is worth having because you don't just walk in and make health care no you you have to have a debate with both sides and the american people um mm-hmm. given their input that's what that's how i'm just a bill that's how it works <laughs> like watch schoolhouse rock yeah yeah that's exactly how it works a cartoon bill sits on the steps <laughs> and becomes and a sinks. bill yeah. and he's, he's really sad for some reason he is because he sees fucking depressing and that's what they're trying to prepare kids for because <laughs> it takes so long yeah to get me through yes but that is <laughs> i'm just gonna die on mitch mcconnell's death oh that is so true how bleak <laughs> schoolhouse rock when the bill dies <laughs> uh. <laughs> is paper <Something> shredder <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Put him in a tree shredder like Fargo. Ah, that's so funny. I'm sure someone's made that video already. Ah, <laughs> uh, that is so true though. It's like we watch these debates, and it is the ideas that people are watching and judging, and they are watching a candidate and what they will do in their most ideal state of governing, only to know that when they get elected, they're just dumped in a sinking pile of shit, basically, with all these other Republicans. So these are best case scenario ideas, is my point. <laughs> I thought you said biscuit scenarios. Biscuit scenarios. These are biscuit scenarios. <laughs> I like biscuits. Biscuit scenarios are best case scenarios. Yes. Uh, on education. Klobuchar set herself apart from the pack when she criticized the notion of free four-year university for all and instead said that one- and two-year degrees are more important and that dollars should go to connecting people with jobs after those sorts of degrees, not to financing MBAs. Yeah, she said we should line up the jobs that are needed in this country with education. And, and I think that that's true for mm-hmm. what Across. Bernie and everybody else want to do. They just, yes. they just Haven't kind of were assumed, like... Right. Assuming we knew that. Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to pay for you to get your communications degree. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I, I I, would assume, but, you know, she took advantage of that, that yeah. no one had really pointed that out before and, and, and made that uh, something that set her apart. Yeah, I think that is smart, especially when you look at other countries that are more socialistic when they approach education, like in France, for example, I know, or at least when I was visiting there a while ago um they'll only pay for people to get certain degrees yeah so basically if you're getting a degree that's going to directly contribute back to society inherently well, it makes sense right i mean the whole reason of paying for you to go to college is so that you become a more contributing member of society and you pay more taxes yes if that's not going to happen then it's probably not wise to spend that money but yeah i mean um, it's, it's wiser to do it than not mm-hmm. because any education is mm-hmm. better than not. Definitely. Uh, in my opinion. I agree. The arts debate obviously will come later, whether or not, you know, because I said contributing to society. I'm a, you know, political theory major, and I think that's very important. You're contributing. But I'm not. Using that degree. <laughs> that's true, but right this, this is considered moment. the arts, though, you know? Yeah. yeah. My, my bachelor's is a bachelor of arts, behavioral science. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they'll have a more robust when Democrat is president, we'll have a more robust national endowment for the arts and we will need those jobs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Art is important, but I do think she made a good point talking about investing in certain degrees that are going to be for folks that, yeah, it's such a nuanced debate because then it's also like 
part of the idea is to not lock people into vocations if they want to you know Expand. get an MBA. Or yeah, I something. don't know why she picked MBA. I don't think there's anything wrong with an MBA. Right. Or and then yeah, not that there's anything wrong with any college degree, but you know what I mean. Like that's that's a pretty practical degree. Mm-hmm. Um, just here's a note: the GI Bill, which is funded by taxpayers, they don't have restrictions on what kind of degree degree you can get. Right. So yeah, why not? Why here? Yes. And before you say because veterans deserve da 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 da, da I think every American deserves this. And I, think I, so I feel too. the same way about healthcare, mm-hmm. um, which veterans also get for free. Yeah, I think so too. Most of veterans get for free. Mm-hmm. If anything, she just brought up a good point that's yeah. definitely worth debating. So it is good. It is a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, Steyer had a moment here that I appreciated. He said he doesn't think his kids should go to college for free. <laughs> so I like yeah, that. I, <laughs> I clap like, him on that. Yeah, clap. Yeah, that would have been ridiculous if he was like, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, they should. <laughs> yeah, and me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's that was like, like kind of a softball, wasn't it? Like, mm. oh yeah. Do you think your kids should go? Be you're a billionaire? No, fuck no. Yeah, exactly. What am I gonna say? Yes. I just bought be- eleven million dollars worth of ads in Nevada to get my way on this stage. You don't <laughs> yeah. think I'd send my kid to college? Yeah. Uh, I wish he would have said that. That'd have been even funnier. Mm-hmm. I just bought my way on this stage. You think I wouldn't buy a college education for my children? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you're probably right. No. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, rich fuck. Um, <laughs> rich asshole. Yeah, but that's uh, okay. He's using his money for good. I think that's pretty agreed upon. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so wrapping up. I think something that's very important to note. Buttigieg, he was asked about his lack of support from black voters. Um, but aside from that, that was really pretty much the only sort of grilling on race questions any of the candidates got. Biden wasn't really asked about his record on race at all, which is something that Booker and Kamala did whenever they were on the same debate stage with him, basically. Mm -hmm. So there was a noticeable missing element with Kamala and Booker being gone and and Castro as well, really. Just anyone that's challenging his record on, you know, kind of a contradictory record and support group right now where he's still consistently supported by black voters in many, many states. Mm-hmm. And he we're going into these primaries where they're not as diverse populations. So if he can do well in these first couple primaries, he's pretty much only going to go up from there is the argument. And I think that's a very kind of interesting element of Biden's race specifically. Yeah, it's part of his strategy. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, definitely. I mean, he right now he owns that, he owns that block, and um, that's that's a that's the one that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be the deciding that in the independence. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that uh, debate overview. Totally. The biscuit scenarios. Yes, biscuit scenarios. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of good news. Um, Ooh. You're going to be excited. So stick around. Hey everybody, it's AG, and I want to tell you about The Cliff Dorfman Show. It's a brand new podcast from Starburns Audio, hosted by the screenwriter, actor, director, Cliff Dorfman. If you've ever wondered if a movie based around the world of UFC, uh, featuring Brian Callen, who's one of my favorite comedians, uh, as a ring announcer, if you ever wondered if that could make you cry, watch Cliff's movie, Warrior. Um, So he's got a new podcast, along with his intern, Starburns Audio CEO, Jason Smith, who also happens to be my live show assistant. Uh, They sit down with artists of all types and learn about their life, uh, learn about history, their history and inspirations that made them who they are. So their journeys are really surprising and unique and inspiring. They're engaging and very human. And that's why I love this show. The first two-part interview of comedy legend Super Dane Cook is already live, with new episodes dropping every Wednesday. That's the Cliff Dorfman Show podcast on Starburns Audio. Download and listen and subscribe today. You'll be glad you did. 
All right, a couple of good news stories. A federal judge has filed a preliminary injunction blocking Trump's rule that was blocking refugee resettlement in the United States. So that can continue for now. Very good news on mm-hmm. that front. And Trump has released the $8.3 billion in aid to Puerto Rico. That was our hashtag yesterday. Um, so great work, everyone. Keep tracking at uh, hashtag release the PR aid for more information. Um, but Very he, cool. He released it. Very cool. Because he got caught. Um, and an important threshold was met today. This is such good news from the New York Times. Virginia became the 38th state to back the Equal Rights Act, meaning now we now have three quarters of states needed for ratification in the Constitution. This is a symbolic victory for those who for generations have been pushing for a constitutional guarantee of legal rights regarding sex. So awesome. 38 states now back that for ratification into the Constitution. That's very exciting. All right. Time for a little schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. All right, the Connecticut chairman of the GOP has asked Rob Hyde to end his bid for Congress, tweeting his campaign is a distraction for the Democrats to raise money and falsely label all Republicans with his antics. In my view, he is not, it's not falsely. Can you say the same shit for Trump? <laughs> In my view, he is not helping other candidates or Trump win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the fucking, they are saying, don't run for Congress, please. I love that. It's Fuck great. yeah. <laughs> Good. I love seeing them turn on each other. I know. I know. It's a certain kind of porn. Justice porn. Yes. Uh, all right. That is our show. That's the good news. And um, do you have any final thoughts? I don't think so. No. Oh, right on. Yeah. Donate to your candidate if you have the money. Or multiple candidates. Yeah. Yeah. I was dropping donations last night. Totally. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a fan of multiple people on that stage. Me too. And I was you know, I was donating pretty hard to some of the other candidates who are no longer on the stage yeah, because I same. wanted their voices on the stage. Yeah. Um, I gave you, most of my money to Booker. You got Yeah. I did too the, toward mm-hmm. the end there. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta, if you yep. wanna keep your candidate in the race. Yep. And remember, whoever wins, you gotta vote for him. Mm-hmm. What is it, $2,800? 2700 $2,700. Is the max. Cool. I still have a few. Yeah, me too. I spend. definitely, yeah, I am, I don't have that much expendable income. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so that'll be good. Yeah. Uh, and yep, we are now about, what, two and a half weeks away mm-hmm. from the Iowa caucus. So. Shit's going to start rolling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the impeachment uh, trial starts next Tuesday mm-hmm. and State of the Union February 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the impeachment, first week of the impeachment trial, I think uh, Trump is scheduled to go to Davos, but I don't know if he's going to go, if he's going to cancel last minute or not. But he's got some sort of financial, you know, the whole where all the rich people go. Mm. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, it's the rich meeting. Where the, where the, where the rich people are. <laughs> a children's book. <laughs> <laughs> Where the rich things are. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's right. Uh, things. I forgot. Things, things, things. Um, that's it. I don't have any final thoughts. Other than just, again, thank you all so much for all the kind messages and your support. It really means a lot. Become a patron. Do it at patreon.com slash Muller She Wrote. And you become a, a patron of that show and this show, Daily Beans. And you get ad-free Daily Beans. You get them the night before everybody else does. Well, you get them around 9.30 Pacific time uh, if you're up that late on the East Coast. And... All sorts of free stuff and Q and A episodes, and we're putting a video. We're putting video cameras in here, and mm-hmm. and community. Yes, that's the coolest part. Really, is the networking and the support mm-hmm. that we all get from our from our uh, private social media groups. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Uh, that's it. Anyway, please, everyone, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I'm Ag. I'm Jordan Coburn, and them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. 
Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.